Warning, listening to this episode out loud in any place that is public is going to probably result in your face getting slapped or a quick trip to HR. It is definitely not safe for work or polite company, you have been warned. Welcome to How to Love Forever. In this episode, we engage in a daring social experiment. We travel to the fabulous Las Vegas Strip to chat with complete strangers about sex and love. We put random tourists on the spot by asking them seriously personal and intimate questions. We learn what they consider to be the most important aspects to a healthy romantic relationship. We study their comments to take a sort of general temperature of the American romantic landscape. And we even hear about one guy's awkward experience with a prostitute and a plastic bag. Ah, real life stories. All coming up right, right now. Hi, I'm Marco. And I'm Heather. We invite you on a journey of discovery as we explore techniques, tools, and inspiration to better our love lives and our sex lives. Join us as we travel the world, seeking out the stories that can help improve how we do romance and relationships. Come with us as we discover how, how to, to love, love forever. forever. Hi, love bunnies. Welcome to today's episode of How to Love Forever, the podcast that explores love, relationships, and sexuality. This is Heather. And I'm Marco. Today's episode is kind of wild, so it could be the perfect excuse to grab yourself a tasty beverage. <laughs> and maybe some popcorn. Just fasten your seatbelts because it's going to get twisty. You're going to get to come with us on to Las Vegas Boulevard as we speak to perfect strangers about some of the most intimate aspects of their lives. It gets weird, it gets deep, and it gets a little raunchy. So just put on your party goggles and let's get cruising down the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby! Woo! Yeah, you should have seen us out there. Heather was dressed amazingly. I was dressed pretty well. I had on a little tuxedo with some sneakers. And Heather was beautiful, and she was dancing around in front of the Bellagio fountains. And I had these microphones in my hand, and it honestly looked like I was trying to give away microphones, the way those porn calling card guys are trying to give away those cards. And in fact, here's a fun story. When I first got to Las Vegas, like 18 years ago or whatever, I used to walk down the strip trying to collect different sets of these cards. Cards. I would try to get as many different versions as I could. Of the strippers direct to your room? Yeah, the strippers cards. direct your room cards. You know, the ones that like guys are like smacking together and then oh. like try to force them into your hand. Because I wanted to create like sets of 52 to bring back to my friends as trading cards. Like baseball cards. Trading cards? Not yeah. playing cards? No, like, like baseball cards. Oh that was like, you know, like the cheap gift that I had. So I would walk up and down the strip looking at these guys and basically going, okay, which ones do you have let me see and then i would like pull out mine and i'm like okay do you have any of that are not these <laughs> so yeah i was just uh, collecting them for my friends back home it's just something unique yeah so anyway it did remind me of that time in my life but yeah these folks they had no idea what was coming to them so yeah, here we were on the strip, uh, right in front of the Bellagio fountains. So nice and quiet. <laughs> and I had a sign in large letters that said, let's talk sex on one side and let's talk love on the other. And depending on the kinds of people that were walking by, like if there were people with children coming by, I did my best to flip it around. <laughs> so it would say, let's talk love. Honestly, I don't know why you even bothered. It's these people out in the Las Vegas strip I mean, with they their, bring their children kids at to 10 o'clock at night. I know, I know. 
know, but <laughs> we don't need to add to it necessarily. And yeah, it was uh, it was super fun, and it was a little nerve wracking in a way, just because hey, total strangers and you total know, strangers open up about your personal lives. But it was a lot of fun, and I was actually really surprised at some of the depths that we got into with some of our discussions. Yeah, some of them got quite heartfelt. Obviously, mm-hmm. there were a couple of people that were just, you know, they just wanted to sort of BS because they were in party mode. And we've got one or two of those for you in this particular cross-section. So without further ado, here it is, the five top people that we interviewed. This is going to be a fun ride. Here we go. And we are here on the Las Vegas Boulevard talking to strangers about love and sexuality. That's right. It's kind of hot. talking about love. <laughs> <laughs> so far, it's been many, many deep and meaningful conversations. Very meaningful conversations. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Sure, man, let's talk about sex. This you is talk about sex? Jack, yeah. Come here. Let's talk about sex. Have you ever got a blowjob with a plastic bag on your cock? Have you ever had a blowjob with a plastic bag on your cock? Okay, okay, okay. I have to stop it right there because this guy was amazing, okay? He's got like this amazing like Brooklyn accent or whatever and he just comes out as like a episode from some sitcom with just that. I mean, I almost wanted to give him an applause laugh track in the background. Right, he just kind of slid into focus. I think you managed it marvelously, by oh. the way. You just kind of <laughs> lady liked it right through that. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> what an image. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had a blowjob with a plastic bag on your cock? I did last night. How was it? Interesting. Inter- like pleasurable or decent, decent? Decent. I mean, you didn't have all like the moisture, I mean, you know. I had a plastic bag on my dick. Why did you have a plastic bag? Because she had no condom. And you didn't have a condom. No, I didn't have a condom. She didn't have a condom, so I put a plastic bag on my dick, and she sucked it. Hey, necessity's the mother of invention. Was yeah. there uh, any lube involved? Yeah, because afterwards, I, it wasn't working for me, so she jerked me off, and I shot my load probably almost to the ceiling. But not she, through the plastic I'll, I'll bag. I'll be honest with you, she, she does her job well, because she, after she jerked me off, it'd be for like a minute and a half, I shot my wound. Now, was this her job? Yes, it was her job. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that if she had to use a plastic bag because she didn't bring a condom, she's not doing her job well. Or maybe she's doing her job so well that she ran out of her entire stock. I guess that's a possibility. Right. I had not thought about. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> but, I, but I do have to say, though, I think one of the, the main morals to this particular story is always have condoms. If you're planning to do anything with a penis. Okay. <laughs> anyway, let's continue. If I may ask, because I've never known, what did that cost you? What did it cost me? Yeah. yeah. You know, here's an even better story. Another loophole to this story. Does that he have any loopholes? $500 got me a plastic blowjob. Plastic bag blowjob. I could have been in a strip club and banged a hot girl for a thousand and I passed on it. Instead, I decided to go with a plastic bag blowjob. How many times in your life are you going to get a plastic blowjob? Not too often. Stories are Not too often. It's a story to tell your grandchildren. Great point. That's a great point. Yeah. And my grandchildren are in that plastic bag. (laughs) (laughs) So on that note, I'll take care and have a good time. Have a great night. Stay safe. (laughs) That was just 
undescribable. That was perfect. That was that was great. Oh, God. The vaudeville. The vaudeville. <laughs> I mean, I just really expected a drum strike at the end of that. Boom, cha, you know? And what I loved about it, I'm pretty certain he was our first interview, our he first was. volunteer, right? He just he came was. right up at us. And it really confirmed to me that what we were doing was the right thing. We were on a mission. <laughs> we were being validated from the start. It was a necessary thing. <laughs> Doing good work. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that guy was uh, quite the character. And yeah, it was interesting speaking with somebody who had just had an experience with a professional sex worker and obviously uh, big proponents of safe play here, you know, condoms, whatever else uh, is necessary to have on your person so you can play safely. And obviously, if prostitution is illegal in your part of the state, don't be doing it. (laughs) Or help fight to make it legal because that tends to lead to a lot of problems. You know, anytime you make something illegal, that's when terrible things come in play. Yeah. And that is definitely an issue. And we don't want to make light of the fact that the black market aspect of prostitution Constitution definitely brings uh, more trouble than it's worth. There are ways to support legalizing sex work and normalizing sex work. Look it up in your city or state. That's right. All right. Who's our next victim? All righty. Here is our next victim. No sooner had this guy walked away than this other guy shows up. Check this out. Are we still doing this? We are still doing this. Okay. We are here in the Las Vegas Boulevard. Look at that beautiful lady's dress and way too many sequins and feathers. Hi there. Looking at the most adorable children who really should be in bed. Looking at these guys that are selling like crazy ass glow up balloons. And we just got this incredible story about a plastic blowjob. Plastic think, bag blowjob. Yeah. That was hey a there. new one. Really good. Hey, how are you? How are you? Great. Fantastic. Hey, we do a podcast about love and sex. You want to talk about love or you want to talk about sex? We can talk a little bit of both. All right, let's do it. What's your name? My name's Aaron. Aaron, really nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you. How long have you been here in Las Vegas? I actually just uh, flew in last night. It's first time here in Las Vegas, and no I'm really problem, enjoying bro. it. I, I'm from Colorado. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. You've been having a good time on the strip? Oh, yeah. yeah Great. Right. It's wonderful. Hey, listen, we've got some questions because we're putting together a podcast about love and about sex okay Okay. Heather here has some questions for you of course and I'm just gonna like hang out and record is that cool that's cool right on that was me like backing away from the conversation so that I could deal with the levels because it was just so overburned so anyway this is like where the levels begin to normalize a little bit and you start hearing it a little bit hopefully it'll be easier on your ears oh my god it'll be easier on your ears from here on out yes absolutely all right Aaron where do you first learn about the birds and the bees? The first time I learned about the birds and the bees was uh, from an anatomy book that uh, my grandma showed me wow. when I was in like sixth grade. Okay. Because my parents were very conservative and I never really had the chance to like go to sex ed classes because my parents were like, oh no, 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 none of that. I mean, sixth grade, that's not too bad, right, yeah. for sex ed. It was like sixth, eight, sixth grade, seventh grade, somewhere in there. Okay. And I, I asked my grandma about it one day, and she opened an anatomy book, and she's like, okay, so this is how things work. <laughs> so you got the anatomy of it, but when did you learn about, like, how to please a partner? 
So I like the fact that you made this distinction between like learning about sex and learning about sexual pleasure. Because there's the anatomy book that his anan anatomy book that he was stammering his words, uh-huh. but it was actually his grandmother's. So it was like anan anatomy book indeed. That's sweet. <laughs> well, and it is there's such a difference between anatomy and biology and how sex works biologically mm-hmm. speaking. Totally. And then what is pleasure? And me, you know, from a young age, my mom is a scientist. And so she shared with us the really cut and dried birds and the bees. This is what you look like going through puberty. Like, I don't know if other people had this anatomy book when they were kids. Which one is that? I don't remember the name of it, but it showed it had a section for girls and had a section for boys. And it showed as a young kid, like prepubescent. And then as you start going through like the different stages of puberty to get to full grown adult. Okay. And what the body looks like developmentally speaking and like the different changes that occur within the body. And so, of course, I totally felt like a little perv at the age of like seven or eight. I was hiding under the grand piano and going through this book, you know, and I felt like a perv not only looking at the girls' bodies, you know, the women's bodies, like, oh, wow, what is that going to be like? But also looking at the boys. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and and I'm so grateful that I had that. But such a difference between just understanding the biological aspect and then getting to a point where you can really enjoy sexual pleasure within your own body and then how to share that with another person or persons. Hmm, that's nice. I just got the Catholic sex ed when I was a kid. It was my mom very evasively said something along the lines uh, one day when I was like 13, if... Some white stuff comes out of your pee-pee. You tell me about it, okay? Oh, no. (laughs) It's all the sex ed I got. Oh, no. (laughs) I had to rely on the Texas educational system for the rest of it, which was taught by the phys ed coaches, like the football coaches and stuff. So you can only imagine. It was just full of those cut-ups that were in the back of the room going, vagina, you know, just try to get everybody to laugh. (laughs) Penis, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. That's just so sad. (laughs) A John Hughes movie for my sex education. Yeah, from somewhere. (laughs) Anyways, let's go on to see what he's got to say. So you got the anatomy of it, but when did you learn about like how to please a partner? Uh, that probably wasn't until like ninth or tenth grade. Okay. Uh, I was like fifteen, sixteen years old. Right about the time I lost my virginity as well. You lost your virginity around 15, 16? Yeah, uh, wow. I lost my virginity. Actually, I remember the day, but uh, when, it was when Don't I was 16. All? Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. that's pretty on the early-ish side, right? I'd like to interject here and say not all of us remember when we lost our virginity. It's just a fact of human society. Anyway, go on. <laughs> okay. It sounds like I'm making light of the situation, but it it is true that not all of us remember when we lost our virginity. I remember mine, and do you remember yours? I do. Yeah? Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't remember the actual day or date, but I remember it was the summer when I was 17 and, you know, was with the boyfriend that I was like super duper in love with. Essentially what it came down to, I finally was with a guy who – had the cojones to, to to take my virginity. I've to been trying to give it move. away for a while. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm done with this. 
<laughs> but how about you, babe? Um, well, mine wasn't as happy as other people's. Mine was really a weird, confusing situation. I don't mind laying it out. It was my 13th birthday. Wow. And uh, my uncle, traditional macho dude, decided it was time. And so uh, he took me out cruising and got me laid with one of his, like, friends. Wow. Yeah, that was it. I had no idea what I was doing. Okay. I really did not have any idea what I was doing. And she kind of chuckled a little bit and uh, sort of taught me how. And honestly, I was extremely bad at it, I'm sure, as uh, pretty much everybody is at that Most age. Most virgins are not good, but I would imagine that 13-year-old virgin boys are probably pretty terrible it was a pretty bad first pancake i mean i don't really consider it any kind of like molestation or anything like that i think i was willing but i was just very confused about it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but my second time was a lot nicer oh that's good yeah 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 it was uh, with the daughter of one of my mom's best friends don't tell her <laughs> yeah, we'll just keep this between us. Yeah, she was really sweet. She was really sweet. She made up for the first time. You and know. how much older were you at that point? Like three months, two months, something like that, maybe a month, because um, we came back to the house from this little vacation where I had lost my virginity. Mm-hmm. And we got back to the house where my mom and I lived. And uh, while my mom and her mom were talking in the other room, you know, she and I, both like 13 year old kids, you know, we were like having our own conversation somewhere else. And she was like, So what did you do? this summer and I was like I got laid I had sex and she just looks at me with giant square eyes and she's like you had sex I'm like yes I did and then she's like with a woman and I'm like yeah and then she looks at me and says you think you could have sex with me too and I was like yeah I think I could handle that. Oh, man. She was so much more advanced than me. (laughs) It was so sweet. It was really sweet. And she had always been very pretty and very sweet. And, you know, like between like young, extremely young preteen adolescent kids, you know, I'd I'd already had like those little romantic hots for her. Right. So she comes out like that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. So Mm -hmm. that very same night, I put on some nice cologne and I ride my bicycle to her side of the neighborhood and she lets me in through the sliding glass door and we just end up spending a night together, basically virgins, even though I'd had like one sort of disastrous night experience. And uh, we learned, I learned how to do it more right. Interesting. So you guys kind of explored your enjoyment together? Yeah, we did. We spent all night enjoying it together. It was lovely. Wow. I wouldn't have traded it for anything. I mean, she even had like scented candles up and stuff. It was cute. Or was it candles and incense? I don't know, something. Mm. But it was, you know, she said mood, in other words. And it was so much nicer than my first time. Yeah, that's so inspiring. I mean, in a way, I I feel that 13 is very young to lose one's virginity. I hate that term, by the way, lose virginity. How about... uh, I like to call it gaining your sexuality. mm, Gaining sexuality. Much better. Yeah. So... Or unlocking. You know, like the video game term, unlocking sexuality. (laughs) Leveling Leveling up. up. <laughs> that was not rehearsed. Uh, but yeah, so leveling up, you know, sexuality, it is quite young at the age of 13, mm-hmm. but to each their own. And if you have the maturity and if you're able to do it in a, in a safe and respectful way. Yeah. Well, for me, on my 13th birthday, it wasn't my choice. Mm-hmm. But again, I think it was all in all an awkward and stupid and unnecessary but benign experience. Mm-hmm. 
not something that traumatized me. It's just an awkward, weird story. Would you recommend it for others? Not the way it happened with me because okay. it involved alcohol yeah. and not necessarily my agenda. Mm. I definitely think that when somebody is ready to adopt their sexuality instead of lose their virginity, uh, <laughs> they should definitely be proactive and make it happen. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's maybe that's a personality dynamic that was lacking in me at the age of 13. Uh, yeah. So maybe it would have happened at 16 more naturally or 15 or something. Mm -hmm. And that's much more like the average age. Mine was pretty young. It's definitely on the young side. And I think, too, children who are raised without a sense of shame around their sexuality have the opportunity to explore it in a more natural and organic way instead of feeling repressed or by the amount of uh, shame, maybe they want to go the other direction. And have a prolonged virginity? No, I would say, so, okay, a lot of us who have been raised with shame, our sexuality was a little bit more repressed and more hesitant and all sorts of weird feelings about it. Mm. But then others, they kind of rebel against it and they make... They kind of dive in and maybe go a little more extreme than is healthy. I get it. I get that. Yeah. I get that. You know, it's kind of like the preacher's daughter mentality. Which was my second lover, actually. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> preacher's daughters, man. There's That's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's continue. Yeah. So, okay, so you lost your virginity at 16, and you had started to learn about, like, the anatomy of the birds and the bees. Yeah. Uh, were you, so you were raised by conservative parents. Correct. Do you masturbate? Yes. Wonderful. How often do you masturbate? Uh, you know, I used to masturbate a lot, but, uh, like, I think, you know, as I started growing into an adult, um, I'm 28 now. You know, it's so, become more of a more of a pleasurable experience just to have like alone time uh, when I don't have a partner to share that with. Uh, absolutely. Do you so, have a partner currently? Yes. Okay. And is your partner male, female? Female. Okay. And uh, she uh, she's not as uh, I, I'd say like sexually active as I am. Okay. Um, which we have an understanding there and. Um, she's not like 100% on board with, you know, let's say, you know, me watching porn or whatever, but at the same time, you know, we still find each other's good spots. We, we, you know, we please each other and we're able to, you know, we're able to have a good relationship. You find an accord together. Yeah. That's great. And yeah. is she much younger than you or? Uh, she's actually a year and a half older than me. A year and a half older. So yeah. she finds it difficult for you to watch porn. Yes. Yes, Would you she does. describe her as jealous? Uh, I'd say she sees it as more of like detrimental to our relationship. What would make that detrimental to a relationship? Um, I think it's the, so I don't know if you ever studied the psychological effects of pornography and uh, the, the virtuoso of there, but um, it actually, uh, you start to, uh, in layman's terms, you, you actually start to gain a, a respect for like this imaginary you know perfect thing so the fantasy the fantasy to of appreciating it. the reality of what right. you have right in right. front of you and, and if with you, you and if you make that fantasy something that is you know something that you can't get in real life right then that's the only place you can find pleasure that's you the can only, only live in a virtual yeah. world yeah as opposed, yeah okay so and so do you guys uh have like agreements 
on how often you can watch porn or no no uh actually she doesn't want me to watch it all So, yeah, I found that really interesting because there does tend to be what I consider an unfounded jealousy towards partners watching porn, right? Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. I guess the mentality is you don't need to look at that when you have me. And if you are looking at that, that means that I'm not enough for you. Again, it goes to the whole insecurity Mm. uh, attachment. Right. What he was saying about the living in the fantasy realm of it, as opposed to appreciating the reality of his partner. Right. That's kind of an interesting thing, right? Like how many people find it difficult to enjoy the here and now because they're too much in the fantasy realm? Yes, I get it. And And I've heard this argument before. I feel that it's an argument that is probably birthed in the more like conservative side of culture. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. up there with violent TV shows will make you violent. It's up there with those kind of arguments. I understand the concept of desensitization, but I also think that porn is not that bad. I mean, obviously, it depends on the kind of porn because there is some subject matter and some porn styles that are just absolutely awful. There's Mm -hmm. stuff out there that's like all simulated violence and rape and, you know, all of that. And if that's kind of like your kink and you're doing it like in a way that you understand it's consensual and you're just sort of playing that out, well, then fine, I guess. It's not my particular set of fantasies. But in general, porn is such a broad spectrum of things. Yeah. And I've seen seen some beautiful, soft, very conscious stuff out there. And I've seen stuff that it's got absolutely nothing wrong with it, etc. And obviously the industry is different than the product. And there might be a bit of abuse in the industry. But also there's a lot of people who find empowerment being in the industry, just like anything else. Right. And again, it's all about balance. If there is somebody who is watching porn so frequently that the other things in their lives are not being taken care of, including their partner. That's an addiction. That's an addiction. And there's an issue with it. But it's not necessarily that porn is the problem. It's about them finding balance within their own selves. Right. And, you know, that's one of the pitfalls of living in a free society is that you have to be self-responsible over the things that are available to you. Mm -hmm. You need to know what your limits are and you need to take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, somebody is out there to make money off you. Right. So, yeah, for me, that's the thing with porn. It isn't inherently a negative force in one's life. I have learned a couple of things from it. And, (laughs) you know, it's always nice to see the works of the great masters if you yourself dabble in a little painting. So it's a it's a little creative inspiration for you? Well, yeah. I'm like, oh, that position, that might... Let's see if she likes this, you know? Okay. And anyway, I think this guy continues on to say something similar to that. Shall we continue? Go for it. And so do you guys uh, have, like, agreements on how often you can watch porn or... No, no. Uh, actually, she doesn't want me to watch it all. Uh... <laughs> Um, but we do have agreements on like, hey, we're gonna do a, a date night, and you know, every you know, every so often we're like, okay, I'm in the mood, I'm gonna put you in the mood, and let's just have some fun. You know, it doesn't have to be a rush. It's not like a quickie thing and get it done and over with. It's like we're enjoying each other's company. So, what do you do for a date night? What's that? What do you do for a date night? Uh, so for a date night, uh, you know, I'll I'll cook her dinner or whatever. Hold on just a second. (laughs) 
His friends were rushing him in the background going, hey, man, get off the damn microphone. They're in the middle of the Las Vegas Boulevard. They want to go drink, man. It's hilarious. Uh, for a day night, you know, I'll, I'll cook dinner and whatever else and, uh, you know, kind of make it a little bit romantic to help her, you know, get in the mood a little bit and Absolutely. maybe some foreplay as well. Ah. Absolutely. Music you know, foreplay. to my ears. Foreplay has to be, has to be involved. Otherwise... There is, like, no pleasurable sex for her, and that makes it unpleasurable for me. Can I butt in and play? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Ask a couple of questions? Absolutely. Okay, so devil's advocate kind of stuff. Like, your partner basically thinks that you watching porn is detrimental to your love life. Correct. Would you say that you maybe have learned a thing or two from it? Um, I think I've learned to respect my partner more uh, and communicate better. Uh, from it, but I mean, at the same time, there's certain things where I'm like, hey, let's try this, and she's like, what did you watch that in a porn? <laughs> like, <laughs> like straight up, you know? And it, and it, so there's good and bad. There's good and bad to, to, to both sides of it. Well, there you have it. Porn <laughs> can be educational. Porn can be educational. You know, he learned how to communicate better. He learned that it's all about the foreplay for his partner. Yeah. I don't know. Sounds like it's doing good things for him and their relationship. He flat out said he learned to respect his partner more. And I'm guessing that that means like her particular erotic needs. Right. Well, Aaron, it seems like your friends are looking for you to come along. Yeah. Do you want to answer one more question? Sure, I'll do one more. What is your number one deal breaker in a relationship? Honestly, it's got to be when somebody relies on you to make their life decisions. Ah. When it's like mm -hmm. almost uh, when somebody's dependent on you mm -hmm. uh, to a point where they can't even make decisions for themselves. I believe and that's that called point, codependency. Yeah. Yeah. Codependency. And yeah. at that point, it's like when codependency gets so serious where, like, you have to make a serious life decision for yourself, and I may or may not be a part of it. Right. Like, like you have to figure out your own dreams and your own pursuits and, and you know, what, what makes you happy in life. And 100%. if somebody says, hey, I want you to make that decision for me, at that point, I'm like, uh, <laughs> no. Nope, not happening. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciated talking yeah, with you. Totally thank you for your insights. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciated what he said there. Yeah, me too. I'm glad he waited his friends out because they were all just tugging on his shirt tail going, come on, man, let's go get drunk and be stupid. My bows is wearing off. <laughs> I get it. It's party time. But seriously, codependency. When somebody is not able to really figure out what they want in life and they place the entire responsibility on to their partner. It's a disservice. Uh, it's not good for anyone. And I love that he was so aware. Absolutely. Nice. Who do we have next? Well, let's take a look. Nice to meet you, Natalie. Oh, it's Natalie. Oh, Natalie. She was cool. Yeah. Are you currently in a relationship? I am not. You are not? No. Oh. Take note, listeners. That's right. <laughs> Gentlemen, she's available. She was very cute. <laughs> or ladies. <laughs> she is. She's very, she was very cute. She was very sweet. And I like her uh, sort of conscious demeanor. She was very thoughtful. She, I, I watched mm -hmm. her eyes while we were interviewing her, and she was trying to come up with real answers. Mm -hmm. She was not the Blowjob John guy. <laughs> Blowjob John. Anyway, Natalie, is it boys or girls? Is it gentlemen or ladies? Or both? Depends on the person. Okay. All right. Would you consider yourself 
uh, what is it called? A uh, omnisexual or a sapiosexual? I don't do labels, but I love right. everyone. And okay. when energy connects, energy connects. What is most important with you, for you, in connecting with a lover? Um, chemistry, intimacy, vulnerability. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. Is it important for you to have humor in your interactions? One hundred percent. Do you? Uh, what is like your number one uh, turn on? Uh. <laughs> um, or pick one. I'm sure there are several, right? A mixture of brains and brawn. Ooh. Yeah, it's very nice. Very nice. And then, and what's your number one turn off? Lying. Lying. Yeah. Okay. Can't do that. What is like your relationship deal breaker? My relationship deal breaker? Not being loyal. Okay. Yeah. I think so. Now, do you... Sorry. Define loyalty. What um, is what? What is the structure of loyalty in your relationship? I think um, being there for each other and not allowing other people to intercede into relationships. Important. So, A, I'm really glad that you jumped in on that one because mm. she was giving me good answers, but I needed to draw her out a little bit more. Yeah. And then if you're talking about loyalty and having other people not intercede in your relationships, that was one of the signs of dysfunctional relationships. Right. Yeah, I found it really interesting because disloyalty is one of the signs of a dysfunctional relationship, bringing in or sharing too much that could threaten a partner or threaten a partner's relationship with another person. That's exactly what she was talking about. Yeah, you're right. She said not allowing other people to intercede in your relationship. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that speaks a lot to the whole concept of not selling out your partner by oversharing outside of your relationship about what's going on in your relationship. Yeah, it's about keeping your commitment agreements within the people involved in the relationship. Indeed. What else does she have to say? Let's see. Are you describing friends or family sort of meddling in a relationship? or That and, you know, exes, things like that. Not that it's ever happened, but... Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not that it's ever happened, but it's the one example I could come up with. <laughs> Have you ever had more than one boyfriend or girlfriend at a time? At the same time? Yes. They wouldn't call them boyfriend or girlfriend. they call them acquaintances. Acqua so people you were dating at the same yes. time. But you never had like a solid, committed... Like, no. When, like, I, when I am committed, I am committed. And when I'm not and we enjoy the, you know. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy being a hoe. Yes. Happy, happy, happy yeah, hoe. Yeah, listen. That's right. I yeah. believe in sexuality. Yeah. Embrace it. Yes, please. Yeah. So one more question. What does love mean to you? Oh, wow. Right? That is a loaded question. It's heavy, right? Especially um, with the strip, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, love means intimacy. It means uh, being a friend to the person you're with. Mm being with them through the hard times um, because it's just it's not all roses you have to be able to be there during the hard times and allowing that person to be there for you um, and being able to step away in my circumstance when he needed to spend time with himself to work on healing to allow myself to heal as well so that's love knowing that you know what he's doing his thing I'm going to do mine and if 
paths meet, paths meet. And wow. until then, enjoy Vegas. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. I just wanted to interject here and say it sounds to me like she's currently split from somebody and she's enjoying Vegas on her own terms. And that's totally what was on her mind. Yeah, I, I was picking up on that as well. But it sounds as though the connection that she shared with that previous partner and potentially future partner was more of a secure one. But they just needed time to work on their own lives, their own selves and development. Yeah. So she was taking the wise woman's path through the experiences that she was going to have in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope she had a really good time. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Natalie, you are wise beyond the beauty of your petals. Thank you. Almost 40 next week. Woo! Oh, my God. Yay! Congratulations. Yay. I'll be 40 in December. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Get it. There you go. Thank you, Vegas. Thank thank you for spending you. a moment playing with us. My pleasure. Drink lots of water. You tell almost everybody in this series of interviews to drink water. It's hilarious. That's actually kind of a standard for me in Vegas. <laughs> you know, it's a desert and people are partying and they don't realize how dehydrated they get. And if they want to keep partying, I'm going to tell this to you listeners now, especially in the desert. If you want to party, make sure you're hydrated so you can keep partying. Yeah. Stay it, hydrated. Keep it, partying. It doesn't lower your buzz. It just keeps you going. Water is important. And electrolytes. It's what plants crave. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear the next uh, guy. I think uh, this was Luke. His name was Luke. Young Luke. Young Luke. Was trust my little, the force. My little boyfriend. No. <laughs> Speak into the microphone. It's on. It's on. Yeah, just up here. Hi. Awesome. Hi. So, do you have sex? Yes, I have sex. Wonderful. How much do you love sex? I enjoy sex very much. Lovely. Do you have a partner you have sex with on a regular occasion? Yes. How often do you have sex? Uh, at least a couple times a week. Is that not enough sex in your opinion? Or is that just right? Um, or too much? I No, I think we're just kind of getting into it, so I think it's going to go up soon. It's going to go up soon? Yeah, we just kind of got together. So. How long have you been dating? We're not really dating, no. It's really funny because this guy was quite young and he definitely was trying to be confident, but you could tell he had this underlying like nervousness. No, really. I have a real girlfriend. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> yeah, the I sex want. is going to go up soon, just like price of Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> We're just getting into it. <laughs> We're just Aww. getting into it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> oh, you're just you're having the sex. Yeah. Okay, that's good, right? So there are no toothbrushes at other people's no, no, places no, no. yet. Understood. So what is a relationship to you? Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of things that constitute like a relationship, but like, you know, like a, I don't know. I feel like relationships a broad word because you can have a, I have a relationship with you right now, but if you mean like, are you committed to me, Luke? No, I'm not committed to you. I wasn't saying Dang that it. at all. I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you put him on such the spot right there. I That's had hilarious. To. I had are you committed to me, Luke? <laughs> With your husband right there next to you. It's so cute. He's like, it's who so are cute. you, you weird old lady? <laughs> <laughs> you weird old lady. But yeah, no, it was hilarious. And I find him so delightfully evasive when he started going off about like, well, you know, uh, our relationship's kind of like a very big, broad term. I mean, we're having a relationship right now. It's like, no, you're not. You know what I fucking meant. <laughs> well, that's why I put him on the spot, because obviously we weren't in a committed relationship 
uh, we're just having a moment of conversation on a street. Literally the definition of no commitment. So I'm pretty certain he still has yet to figure out what a committed relationship looks like for him. But he's only like 20, 22, I think he he's said. He's so young. Totally. He no, was a again, little flower. Again, I was just, I was just messing with him. I had yeah. to. I you got to mess with people. <laughs> you got to mess with people. It's how they stay growing. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see what he's got to say. Because <laughs> he's like, no, I'm not committed to you, no. <laughs> I wasn't saying Dang that it. at all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, you know, re- relationship's broad. So I'm in a relationship. It's just not a serious one. Okay. If that makes right. sense. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's yeah. good to have uh, parameters. And with this person that you're dating, are you already, like, communicating what's important to you, what's, what's important to them, and setting boundaries? I mean, a little bit, but it's more just fun right now. Okay. Only I'm only 22, so just uh, living life. So young. Okay, so at your tender age of 22, what's the freakiest thing you've done that you feel comfortable saying here? Um, <laughs> what? Uh, I feel, I don't know. Okay, what's the freakiest thing you remember doing? There you go. That's a good one. I was just trying to diffuse the tension he was feeling because he was looking back at his friends going, ah, ah, ah. And his friends were looking at him going, what'd you do? What'd you do? It was a very 20 something moment. (laughs) It really was. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, let's see what he's got to say about the freakiest thing he remembers doing. I don't know. I've been sleeping with someone who's 35 on the weekend, so. Okay. And do they teach you some good skills? Yeah, they do. They know a lot. Absolutely. That one's fun. That's great. I mean, is that freaky? That's how you learn. About having an older sex partner in your 20s kind of thing. For men, it's considered a bit of a privileged position. Okay. It just is. Well, for heterosexual males, it's it's, uh, considered a bit of a privileged position because, yeah, there's this lady... And she knows things. Things. <laughs> to teach you the ways of the sexual world. Yeah. And quite honestly, it can be nice to have somebody who is of a particular age where she'll enjoy your sort of youthful stamina, but also has enough patience to where, you know, she can just be like, slower. Mm-hmm. Okay, faster. Okay, slower. You know, <laughs> change the angle. Change the angle. Uh, a little softer. Go through the whole yeah. alphabet. It's not just all L's and I's. How about for ladies? How about for young women? Yeah, I think it's kind of a a thing for all of us, right? You know, especially when we're younger. Not every girl has the desire to be with uh, an older guy, but a lot of us did. A lot of us have. Mm. I've always been attracted to men older than me just because I always craved somebody with a greater amount of emotional maturity than my peers because Mm. I've always had greater emotional maturity than my peers. So I've always had to over overachieve (laughs) with that and yeah I I think I wanted to be like taken care of maybe and like oh it always felt a little naughty right Ooh, he's so much older than me (laughs) of course I look back and I'm like oh maybe that was that was a bit inappropriate at that age (laughs) obviously there are social and legal ramifications that are pretty asymmetrical when a woman has the experience with an older man than when a young man has an experience with an older woman and that's stuff to definitely, you know, watch yeah, out for. Yeah, we can definitely dive into that at a, at a later point. But yeah. yeah. But it's not, I don't consider it necessarily freaky for a 22-year-old boy to be getting with a 35-year-old woman. Fun, but is it freaky? I don't know. You guys, let me know what you think. He's just getting started. It's cute. He's got a Mrs. Robinson out there. That's so sweet. <laughs> anyway, let's see what he's got to say next. Have you 
had more than one sex partner at the same time? Not yet. Not yet? Well, you're in the right town for that, I guess. That's where I'm headed, yeah. <laughs> On a zero to 100% scale, how gay or straight do you consider yourself? If like 100% straight, I mean, it's I can zero. tell your bros to go away so you can no, answer no, no. that. Talk about putting him on the spot in front of his friends at 22. And these were and these were all just like dudes, you know. They were bros. It was so funny. He's just his eyeballs got square, and he's just like looking at his friends. Dude, well, you know how like certain people just pull out that coyote uh, response in you. Mm-hmm. He pulled out the coyote in me. Like I just had to fuck with him. You just wanted to skewer him on something. I just I needed to like needle him in the side. For <laughs> you were so mean to poor Luke. Oh, hey, poor Luke, Luke, if you're out there and you actually are listening to this podcast, thank you so much for talking with us. You're and I'm really sorry good for her sport. behavior. I'm so- <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, but I'm a little sorry. <laughs> no, but it was nice to talk with all of these And you folks. were a good sport. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear the end of his. I'd say 100% for me, but... Um, I don't have a problem with people who are the other way. If you were in an orgy and there were gay people having sex around you, but you were with somebody like a woman super hot and like all the great things, would it be difficult for you? I don't know. That might be difficult. I could definitely have like an orgy with other dudes there, but I don't know about gay sex. Like, I don't know. But what if it was just gay women? Yes. (laughs) At least I'm honest. (laughs) Come on. Right? 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 Oh, God. And there is the hetero double standard regarding Uh lesbianism and gayness right there. Uh (laughs) I mean, it's so funny. It's like, oh, wow, two girls are making out. Awesome. Oh, no, two guys are making out. Gross. (laughs) It's so sad. Oh, the double standards. Uh, Sexuality is full of unfair double standards. Anyway. Right? Yeah, man. Okay. Um, when you're on your deathbed, okay. what is the one thing you don't want to regret not doing? Oh, shit. Anal. Oh. And there you have it. How predictable was that? The one thing. <laughs> the one thing that he would, would regret not doing in his, you know, on his deathbed. <laughs> Says a 22-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be really we, interested to see what his perspective would be like in 10 or 15 years. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I both definitely needled him and skewered him with a bunch of questions that he just was not prepared to answer, poor guy. But, it, you know, I really hope it helped him think about things perhaps in a different way and maybe he'll start questioning his perspective on things trying new stuff yeah but yeah he was just beginning his journey as a sexual being that's the way i see it and so for him to come across us on the strip was like a bit of the fool's journey when you finally get to the river where you're about to take your long trek and the first person that you meet is the old wise man who mocks you and challenges you and all of that you know it's very <laughs> joseph campbell with the cane <laughs> that's right we are the joseph campbells in his journey sure Sure. Why sure. Not? Uh, I, think I just we're... hope he questions everything. Yeah. Question everything, Luke. We're question giving ourselves everything. a lot of credit. But yeah, no, absolutely. I just hope that he learns to question so that he may understand himself 
Good going, Luke. Good beginning. Good job. Keep going, Luke. Okay, and last on our list, Kenyana and Jacques. I love those names. Good names. They were really sweet. Let's hear what they've got to say because this was our only couple that came up to us.、Mm-hmm. I was like, "Come on, I need a couple. Give me a couple." Right. <laughs> I need two people in a relationship together who want to share some conversation.、Okay. Preferably not pushing a baby stroller at eleven o'clock at night on Las Vegas Boulevard <laughs> on a Tuesday. So yes, our one. Couple that we interviewed on the strip. Shout out to you guys! It was really lovely to talk with you. If you're listening to this episode, just wanted to say thanks again for stopping by.、Mm-hmm. Here it is.、Oh, how quickly did you get married? Six months. It made you know that you were ready. Like, what sort of work did you do to become the partner that the partner you deserve deserved? I wouldn't even say it was work. I'd just say it's evolution of 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 life. As、okay. you just get to a certain point in life, you just everything you attain in your journey. You just put it together, and you are who you are. Okay. You know? And what would you say, Kenyana? For me, the reason why I married him so quickly,、um, because I have been in quite a few relationships, and I've been hurt before.、Mm. But when I met this gentleman,、um, he actually made me feel love. Like I never felt love like that before. I never felt like nobody showed me love like that. And what sorts of things does he do to like, make you feel loved? Like he goes above and beyond, I guess, with everything just to show. Like, okay, yeah, like I、yeah. would come home and he would have like rose petals and candles lit, or、oh. he would have like a gazillion balloons in the bedroom, or、oh. he would just always buy me something all the time. That's my love language. Show him. It don't have、okay. to be nothing expensive, but it has to. You have to show me that you the little things that you care for me. I love that she knows what her love language is. Yeah, and the fact is that she has a partner who gets that and is motivated to show her how much he loves her and cherishes her. Yeah, and there's some apparently very hallmarky moments in their relationship when、mm-hmm. she comes home to a bedroom filled with, I believe it was a gazillion balloons. Gazillion. A gazillion,、yeah. which is so much more than a Brazilian. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean a Brazilian sounds like a lot, but it's actually Actually, pared down to pretty much nothing. Oh, that's really cute.、Yay. That's funny. <laughs> that's some ripping humor. <laughs> so yeah, I want to go back to something that she said too, because she has been hurt before. That was the beginning of her conversations.、Mm-hmm. That you know, she's been in a lot of relationships and she had been hurt before. And I just kind of have to wonder what it is that was the hurt. What was the nature of the hurt? It's so much about our past relationships that informs our future relationships. Absolutely. So she says she's been hurt before, and here's this guy that does these things to make her feel so special,、mm-hmm. and that is a very sweet thing. Very much about the love languages that she speaks. And learning from our past informs the decisions that we make in our future, and we hopefully get better and better at making decisions that work for us. Indeed, that work for us as givers of love as well as recipients. Of love.、Mm-hmm. Anyways. And did you know that those were her like love languages, or was it just natural to you to to love her in that way? I knew of I knew the language of women. <laughs> <laughs>、mm. 
<laughs> okay. All right. Jack West knows the language of women. It's really funny. <laughs> oh, that was really lovely. I mean, again, he fashions himself a bit of a ladies' man, and my respects to that. But oh my God, what a sweeping statement! I know the language of women is like saying you know the language of babies or horses. <laughs> but it worked out with them, you know. Yeah. So what he learned about how women prefer to be treated, then when he met Kenyana, it just easily transposed, and it happened to be the language of Kenyana. Exactly. He got、mm-hmm. lucky because what he considered the language of women is the language of Kenyana.、Mm-hmm. And anyway, let's see what he's got to say. After dealing with so many women in my life, I know how to treat a woman, and so when <laughs> is he bragging? So when you have <laughs> this knowledge and understanding how to treat a woman good, and you find someone you want to do that with, you you magnify that by a hundred times, and you just that's how you treat the woman that you choose to be your wife. Boom! I think there is a really good lesson for any gentleman that wants to court a woman properly. He spoke a little bombastically about himself, obviously, you know. But、uh, really, there was something in what he was saying, and that is when you do find what works for the woman that you choose,、mm-hmm. and when you see that she has chosen you as well, you amplify that. You, you go all in. You hundred x that,、mm-hmm. you know, because、uh, up until then, the other persons in your life have been like training, dress rehearsals, maybe. Yeah, yeah dress rehearsals. They've been personal training, and when you get that feeling, and most people are. Gonna end up getting that feeling for that person that is going to be their person for the rest of their lives, and that is a weird thing for me to say because up until I met Heather, I didn't really ever think that I was going to have a lifelong partner. It just didn't seem like it. I mean, I had long-term relationships, but didn't feel like this. And then all of a sudden, I meet her, and within a week, I knew I was going to ask her to marry me. Within a week, <laughs> I just upended his whole life. <laughs> you totally did. You totally did. I was the let's not get married type. I was the、uh, marriage is a patriarchal institution that's supposed to make people, you know, like it sells truck ads. You know, that was it's just the, a piece of paper. It's just a piece of paper. It's plot by the home building associations of America. <laughs> you know, like all of these kind of like excuses. And then I,、uh... I, I meet Heather, and I'm like, oh yeah, wow. I'm going to ask this girl to marry me. That's weird. <laughs> it wasn't a fear thing. It wasn't a rejection of that thought either. It was just like this realization that I had been wrong about myself. I just hadn't found the right person for me. And it's great that you were able to. Recognize and allow yourself to change, to alter your perception of who you were and and what you thought your life was going to be like. Because here we are, right?、Yeah. And I also love so what Jacques said. You know, you what multiply it by a hundred. Yeah, I think that goes for anyone. It's not just men courting women. Ah,、uh, it's anyone courting their potential partner. When you find that person who has. All of the things deeply important in common with you, and it's the right timing, and you have the right alignment together, and you're both in it. You take all of the practice that you've had with the other people that you've dated or been married to, and you amp it up, and you say, "This is me, and this is what I'm going to do for you as my partner because I'm in and I love you." Yeah.、And、let's let's fucking do it. Yeah, and that's what I did with you. I went on a very amplified courtship sort of. Phase with you, where I was like, "Yeah, this is the one person. I don't need to date anybody else right now. I'm gonna hang out with her." And like I said, I knew I was going to ask you to marry me within a week of our relationship、mm-hmm. beginning. Of course, I waited about a year and a half not to seem like a freak, 
but yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing you did yeah, too. Yeah, because otherwise I might have been just running. like, oh my God, he's crazy. He just <laughs> like, asked me to marry me. Oh no, you know? it's too much. No, no, no. I'm not ready. Run away. Run away. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't stupid. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Let's get back to this. Yeah. So you both have had past relationships. Yes. And would you say that in relationships you find a lot of growth? Oh. For me, yes, I feel like every relationship I've grown from, I've learned from those uh, relationships, and I have grown, and it kind of like um, molded me to the woman that I am. It let me know what I don't want, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> and what I and that. what I do like. So, nice. I, I guess so. What about you? She asking the questions. <laughs> she asking the questions. <laughs> that was hilarious. That was great. He was just being silly. <laughs> I know, I know. I do appreciate his uh, his sort of confidence, though. He, he was just like his own man, period. It was good. How important is sex in your relationship? For me, it's not just about sex. It's more about sure. intimacy. Okay. If I'm not feeling you day to day, then the sex is not going to be good for me. So if... If the intimacy is not there, yes, definitely connection. Okay. And this is where our micro intimacies come into play, Mm. right? Women, we are in our head. And if we don't feel intimately stimulated on a consistent basis, if we don't feel connected to our partners, we are not going to want to get down. And what about you, Jacquez? I thought she was asking the questions. Did I answer your question? Did I answer your question? Uh, Not at all. Roundabout. I totally agree with him, Douglas. Uh, So you said that sex isn't the only important thing, but is it important also? Is it important? Yeah. Period? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's important, but it's not... But for an enduring relationship, what are the the things that are most important to you? And then I'm going to ask you the same thing. For an enduring relationship, I think the most important thing is actually knowing your partner, getting to know that person, Mm -hmm. and know what they really, really like and what they don't like. Communication is definitely the highest thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And compromise. Mm -hmm. you got to be able to compromise sometimes. Know what they like, communicate, and compromise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like a good set of strategies. Yeah, seems like it's working for them. <laughs> it is definitely working for them. Oh, my God. I just kept chuckling at his kind of, like, attitude. You know, like I said, he's a very confident guy, and he's got that whole, like, you know, I'm me doing my thing kind of thing. It's just really sweet. I just kind of keep thinking about backstage, like, how they might behave with each other when they're not on the mic, you know? I kind of saw them as uh, loving fencers in a way like they kind of fence with each other yeah and they parry like, each other a yeah, lot. yeah right like they're both alphas but they love each other and they love being with each other and doing things for each other but they just can't not be alphas at each other <laughs> <laughs> we might understand that a little yeah i think so i think so you and i are two bosses in one tiny mm. tiny tiny corporation so yeah we're like that a lot yeah let's see what they got to say and what do you think what's the most important thing for an enduring relationship like what you can you uh, clarify that question? So for you to be in like a happy, healthy, super long-term relationship, what is most important to you? Oh, financial stability. Okay. I thought you were gonna ask me the sex question, but you didn't. You, you <laughs> what is most happy to be oh, in a relationship? Oh, let's circle back around to that. <laughs> but it's okay. Um, I believe you got money. You you could do anything, and 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 you could you could have nice trips to Vegas, and we could do the thing. We from Chicago. Yeah. So we, we got an Airbnb, a big-ass palace in Arizona, 
took a trip out here, got another Airbnb out here. We couldn't do that if we didn't have the finances. So right. I believe I could love her to death, but if I was loving her under a, a subway in a subway station, it, it's, it's, it wouldn't feel this great. Absolutely. Less struggle mm -hmm. is always always great for a relationship. Less struggle is always great for a relationship. What do you think of that? I mean, yes, and... And? And if you don't go through challenges, if you don't go through struggles, you don't necessarily know the other person as well as you need to. Mm. Going through challenges together makes the relationship stronger. On the one hand, yes, absolutely. On the other hand, life brings enough struggles without you being deliberately broke or poor. Right. Oh, no. And that's the thing. By mitigating the stupid struggles. <laughs> yeah, stupid struggles. Yeah, like, the unnecessary ones. Right. The ones that, I mean, they're just no fun. But if you add in other kinds of challenges, uh, it can help make your relationship stronger. Well, it can be just the struggles of real life, you know, like when I was attacked and both of my wrists were broken mm. and you helped and that mm. helped us grow together or like just even buying a house, just the usual struggles. That, that is very true. Yeah. You know? And and I do appreciate what he says that if you remove the financial struggle, a relationship is going to have a lot more enjoyment and less stress. For a lot of people, it really does work that way. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people are very money-minded. Obviously, we live in a very, you know, sort of materialist society in a country where your credit score is your standing with God, essentially, <laughs> where the financial aspect of one's life can be a huge cause of anxiety because oh, yeah. it's like so much about American identity and American culture is how much money you got. And of course, the United States is a hard country. Yeah, there if are not a lot of support your, systems. Yeah, no, if you break your leg and go to the hospital or something, or if you have a heart attack, or if you need a new liver and go to the hospital, it can ruin you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So yeah, financial stability. It can ruin you, it can ruin your family, it can just be, it can ruin the next generation. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. So I absolutely understand what he was saying there. Do you think that there's a point... Uh, in amount of privilege a person can have that it just it doesn't benefit them anymore when it comes to relationships? She, I could see you, honey. You know, I can ask you both. Whoever wants to answer. Oh, yeah. I thought well, you was the one talking about finance. Okay, well, I, I feel like um, I don't think I kind of disagree with him as far as financial because you can have all the money in the world. And if you feel like you have so much money that you can use that as a tool too, then that would destroy the relationship. Money is not everything. So She does have a point. And from here on, it just gets into a funny little argument. <laughs> but she does have a point. I mean, she has a point where the fact of being financially well off can actually be a detriment to the stability or to the balance of power in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, yeah. Oftentimes can... in an abusive relationship, typically, no, not always, but typically it's a, the male can use it as a control tool mm -hmm. for the wife. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to go on a limb here and just represent the rest of the world because I have gone to many places on earth and I have seen a lot of people more broke than me, mm -hmm. which sometimes has been quite broke. And I have seen them be happy and in love. Mm. So I think it's all relative. Just like poor people, extremely poor, like destitute people can be happy. They can also be in love and they can also have stable relationships. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Jack West, I sort of challenge the financial stability aspect because it's just one more challenge 
that will prove your togetherness. Well, and I've also seen plenty of very wealthy people who just aren't able to maintain healthy, happy relationships. Hello, Bill Gates. Oh, God. Melinda Gates. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I the, mean, literally the richest people on earth are still breaking up, man. Yeah, I guess one never knows, but it does tend to be if there is that amount of imbalance happening, it's probably going to affect your relationships. Yeah, but he did not mention wealth, mind you. He mentioned financial stability. So that is well, relative to your I know he goes off. Well, yeah, but that is going. relative to his <laughs> that is relative to one's like economic level. I believe financial stability means not dipping below a certain percentage of your already existent economic level. So it it's not necessarily wealth wealth in and of itself. But he goes on because he ends up making that argument. That's, is, that your, is that our issue, though? No, I didn't say that. Well, that's not an issue. You gonna speak I'm just upon saying. It? I'm just saying. You're speaking upon our personal, our issues, not generalized. Is she asking the questions? We try to give a good interview. I am. Okay. He kind of got a little snippy there. It was fun. I think you guys are both doing great, and honestly, there's no such thing as a wrong answer. Thank because, you. Because, like, it can be about you, or it can be about your philosophy of how it should be in general. It's totally fine. It's Thank totally you. Fine. Thank so, you. So Marco. I got a question for you, man. You okay. you say you say that to you, the financial stability is not as important as other stuff. Right. What is more important? I think what more what most important to me is loyalty, loyalty, respect, and um, just just general caring for that person. And there's that loyalty again. Loyalty. Mm-hmm. It keeps popping up. Bit of a theme. Yeah. You got to know that the other person's got your back. Now, obviously, Kenyana is a woman who enjoys being pampered. I can see that from the things that come up out of her, you know, out of her experience. You know, the bedroom's filled with balloons. And then she says the general care for the person. And that sounds mm-hmm. to me like she likes to be treated a lot. And that's a nice thing. But she also says loyalty. Loyalty. Mm-hmm. And so much, so many of these folks said that somewhere in their conversation. Loyalty comes up. Mm-hmm. You know, however they define it, that is a big one. Like, if I'm sick, be there for me while I'm sick. That's more than money to me. So, Can I ask you a question? Uh-uh. They asked you the question. <laughs> I, I'm going to let you ask the question. Oh, my God. Here it comes. Check this out. So you say loyalty is most important to you over fi- financial stability, right? So let me, let me uh, pose this situation to you. If we had Bill Gates money, right? Uh-huh. But I was out here fucking every bitch out here. But we were married, and you live, Bill Gates, you live like his wife. One of the richest women, one of the richest women in the, listen, don't shake your head, let me finish my thought. One of the richest women in the world. That's one side. Or would you have me be loyal, and we living in the projects, and I'm faithful coming and faithful to you? Would you rather live in the projects and have a loyal man, or have a, a, a husband that's, that's cheating, that's, that's living in, in the, the best, the penthouse? I will I would rather have a loyal husband because Bill Gates is going to give me HIV. <laughs> and then it got a little off the rails. <laughs> Bill Gates is going to give me HIV. I think that's probably going to be the title of this episode. I don't think so. We can't afford to be sued by the Gates Foundation. Oh, Oh, God. Bill Gates is going to give me HIV. That is. (laughs) But maybe what she was saying is that if she had a husband who was indiscriminately having sex with all sorts of people, there's, you know, a greater chance for them to bring back an STD to the spouse. Well, what if he's wearing a plastic shopping bag on his dick? (laughs) 
Children, plastic shopping bags are no substitute for a condom. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Or all, oh, other you, crazy stuff. you went worst case scenario. Well, well say saying. say no diseases was involved. It was just, it's just. But can we find like a balance, right? I mean, obviously, if we are in situations where it's hard to make ends meet, we aren't able to enjoy like quality of life mm -hmm. and and comforts and go out and do fun things together. It's gonna be a little. It's gonna be a little rough, right? right. You know, we're I not agree. gonna have the time to show care. Like if you're sick at home and he's off working three jobs, he's not able to take care of you. Right? right. So there's obviously a balance. But Can I cuss on your show. <laughs> <laughs> now he asks. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I cuss on your show. It's like <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to plastic blowjob man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there was already a little uh, whiskey or something happening. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I think the spice was, was really flowing cute. strong. <laughs> they were adorable. Here it comes. Okay, okay. What is your, Jacques, favorite sex position? Oh, my favorite position? Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, damn. That's a that's a great question. I have a, quite a few. Top two. Top two. Definitely from the back, right? Like doggy style? Doggy style. Uh, a classic. Always a good one. Ladies' favorite. <laughs> but I also like it when she on her side. And I got her leg up a little bit, and I'm on my knees like that, and I'm just going in like that, you know? Because I feel like she, I, hey, it's a sex show. I feel like she could feel it more like that. And then I could grab her breast, like while you're on your side, I could do all type of good things to you. Oh my gosh, that was awesome because I just kept having this image in my head of like both of them doing that. And uh -huh. they were dressed nice, you know, like she's wearing Gucci and stuff. And oh my gosh, I just kept imagining them in this position. I'm just like, I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially since he was like miming it, you know. I know, he was just like, and I'm like this, and I'm putting his hand up, and then I'm down here, and I'm putting his and hand down. And then I can grab your boobs. <laughs> grab your boobs, and squeeze in the air. He was, he was playing air boobies <laughs> <laughs> you can tell he really enjoys it yeah. <laughs> he really does enjoy it and i have to admit it's a very good one yeah, it's, it's one of my position. favorites too <laughs> and what's your favorite position can you i think my favorite will probably be um from the back that would probably doggy style would probably be my favorite um probably my second one would be not necessarily a sexual position but it'd be getting head i guess <laughs> Yeah, like head. laying back right, and, and, yeah. and getting service. Right. Yeah, that's that's probably the matter. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> okay, last two questions. Okay. You guys gonna have sex tonight? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Final question. She gonna come? <laughs> Always. Right here, man. Right here. Uh, I love the fact that, you know, we had this conversation with them about relationship stuff. And then all of a sudden it just sort of devolved into like comparing sexual positions and getting oral <laughs> sex and all of that. Well, it's nice because we created a, I guess, a foundation of trust and, and connection. They knew yeah. that they felt safe enough with us to then dish the goods on how they enjoyed their sexy times. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was really sweet of them. That was really Always. sweet. Always. Always. Always.
always was his was his response. She did seem pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, she she seemed happy. He is happy. They were a happy couple, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Even mm. with their parrying and thrusts and loving jabs. Yeah, they had know? a lot of playful confrontation in their communication yeah. style. It was yeah. really sweet to watch them because you and I do something very similar. It's pretty funny. Well, I loved having the opportunity to speak with people in such a on-the-spot sort of way. Yeah, it's almost like pouncing on them, you know? Uh-huh. Just like, surprise, I'm ambushing you with having to think about your love life. It's kind of like improv theater. It is, it's totally. <laughs> that they didn't know they were going to be a part of. <laughs> <laughs> I totally see that. Yeah, I really felt like it was a privilege to be able to connect with people in this way and for them to feel comfortable enough to open up with us. Absolutely. Total fucking strangers. Total strangers, which is a rarity in the United States because by and large, the U.S. is kind of a sexually conservative Mm -hmm. society Mm -hmm. uh, and also a very private society when it comes to, say, like relationship dynamics and such like that. In a certain sense, we were kind of surprised prying them open because Mm -hmm. I think there is a certain element in American society where people want more of that. They want to be opened up because I think it's at a level where it's like non-healthily closed. There's certain good things to be said about privacy and about keeping your own thoughts and secrets to yourself. But also, how are you going to know you're okay? Mm -hmm. How are you going to know if you are not a lone outlier? Right. How are you going to know if there are different opportunities and different options available for you to explore to have a a more fulfilling and joyful love and sex life. And one of the things I really appreciate is the fact that all of this happened on Las Vegas Boulevard, you know, Mm -hmm. like America's Main Street that is most famous for its anything goes attitude. Mm -hmm. Uh, But how limited is America's Main Street really? Because the thing that actually goes is just sort of the pastiche of sexuality, the material excess, all of that stuff. So people love that. Yeah, it's fun. But anything goes? That's why we had to challenge that. It's like, can you get in touch with your real self on the strip? I completely agree because Vegas is known as, you know, Sin City. And it's all about sexuality and being like your craziest self. However, how often do you really get to have like deep conversations, particularly on the strip, you know, when people are out having a party night, you know, instead of just, whoa, Vegas, whoa, let's get fucked up and all that crap. When do you actually get to like do a deep conversation and talk about something real. It's the one place where the commonly understood ritual is to forget yourself. Yeah. So, you know, we just sort of reached in and dragged <laughs> people's uh, insides out for them to really inspect them right before they got blasted and like spent the <laughs> night the hangover style. Right. I feel that it took a, a lot of courage to uh, shout all that into some random microphone. In the middle of the strip. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, and all things considered, it really was. uh, I was really impressed with how deep and conscious some of these conversations turned out to be. Yeah. I mean, some folks wanted to perform and do the whole shock jock thing, but others really saw it as a nice opportunity to share their feelings and insights. I really appreciated that. Yeah. I guess I feel that this experiment showed that people just want to be heard, you know? Mm. They want to share what they've learned in their romantic lives, good or bad. And they want to know that it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, they want to be heard and they want to be validated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we all want to be seen. Yeah. Humans. Humans being. Humans being. On the strip. (laughs) 
Well, that's it for our show today. <laughs> Thank you, Love Bunnies, for joining us. And remember, you can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash howtoloveforever or Instagram at how the numeral two love forever. We'd love to hear all of your feedback. Tell us about some of the craziest things you've done. Tell us how we're wrong. We want to hear all of it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And if you are so full of love for our show that you just can't stop that feeling, and if you feel that we got some value to offer to the world, we would love for you to join our community on Patreon. We have a whole range of relationship levels you can choose from, and the more committed you become, the more we're able to share with you. We've got so many things coming down the pipe, like full video interviews, uncut interviews, and a few other perks that will be available for our patrons. Mm-hmm. Also, join us next week for a super fascinating interview with Cy Burnaby, the Executive Director of Gender Justice Nevada. Gender Justice Nevada. Shout oh, out. Oh, man. Yeah, we learned so much from them. So and much. And there's obviously still tons more to learn, but it was a really great interview and we can't wait to share it with you. It's really a mind-opening interview about what it takes to survive in our world being a person that isn't of the... Cisgender, heteronormative... Blah, 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 of blah, the blah. cisgender nemer, <laughs> of the cisgender heteronormative this and do dads. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so until then, remember love deep, love hard, love, love forever. forever. <laughs> I want to go back to the strip now. I never <laughs> just say that. I want to see the showgirls. I do just want to see the showgirls. <laughs> you remember how they wanted to charge us I to know, talk to them? I wanted to totally. It's like, oh, you guys want to interview <laughs> us? Do you have $20? <laughs> I was like, oh, bless your heart. Oh, no. No. <laughs> We're broke artists. Go away. <laughs>